All right, we are back. Uh, standing by to join us on this next segment is Kak Young. She is an author, producer, and writer. Good morning, Kak. Good morning, Janine. You have such an interesting uh, background. You've worked in Hollywood for over 25 years. You have a Ph.D. Uh, tell me a little bit about your backstory. Okay. Uh, yes, I worked in Hollywood for many years, and I sort of worked my way up through the ranks as uh, production assistant, stage manager, all the way up to director and producer. And, um, well, I, I have actually three PhDs, uh, one in clinical hypnotherapy, one in natural healing, and uh, one is a doctor of naturopathy. Wow. Two PhDs. I went through one. I don't think I could have survived the second one. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, I must be a glutton for punishment. What can I say? I, I called it mental boot camp. Whoa. <laughs> ah. Well, yeah, you know, in, in L.A. and in, in Hollywood, it's wonderful when you're working in show business because you have this magical time called the hiatus, and you get six weeks off between your intense uh, long hours and working and seven days a week. So during those times, I would take some time off because a stage manager dropped dead in front of me at CBS oh. and one morning, and he was just 55 years old. But it was the stress and the coffee and, and the sugar, I think, that, mm -hmm. uh, that did him in. And I wanted to stay in show business because I loved it, but I didn't want to be uh, one of those fatalities because I hadn't taken good care of myself. So during these hiatus times, I traveled around the world and I worked with different shamans and different teachers in various uh, different areas, alternative areas, so that I could learn how to really take care of myself and still work really, really, really hard in this very, very, very intense industry. Right. Yeah, you have to. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So you've written a lot of books with about 16 I have. of them. 16 books? Mm-hmm. Do, do yep, 16. Do, do you Working sleep? on the next one. Wait a minute. Do you get a lot of sleep? Or where do you, when do you find your best <laughs> writing time? Is it first thing in the morning? When is it? Well, I'm pretty focused. I'm pretty focused. No, I usually take care of business and things uh, in the morning, and then like around 12 or so, I'll start to write my book, and then I'll write for four to six hours, and then, um, you know, then I'm done for that day. Um, but I like it because uh, it's, it's a way of expression, and all this material that I've learned, everything is just kind of like stacked up in my little head, uh, this library head of mine. I get to teach other people, and my goal if you will, is to teach people the right way because there's so much um, stuff out there that maybe isn't rooted and grounded in science or the truth, and so people get turned off by it because it seems like it's airy-fairy or woo-woo. So I, my mission is to really ground the information I teach in as much science and physics as I possibly can so that people understand that this isn't anything abnormal, that it's a very normal way to choose a different path and perhaps heal yourself, mind, body, and soul at the same time, and that it's not hard and everybody can do it. So that's why I write. That's my mission is to get everybody on board so we can stop worrying about health costs. We can stop worrying about the opioid, op opioid crisis. Right. We can use natural things and stay away from big pharma as much as we can until we absolutely need it. I completely agree with you, which is why I was so fascinated with having you on. I mean, 
you have a book called The Supposedly Enlightened Person's Guide to Raising a Dog. You've written The Healing Art of Essential Oils. I always believe you have to be a detective and not jump for something pharmaceutical when, you know, I know we just got a dog five months ago, and I... I find that I have this different level of joy right now when I can be really stressed and I go in the backyard and I'm throwing a ball to the puppy and and I am very calm, you know, it's, it's light. Well, they are teachers and healers, uh, absolutely. And th- it's wonderful when we can connect with the animal world and really um, become students of theirs. No, it makes total sense. I feel like... Um, I never really liked dogs growing up. I'm still fearful of some dogs, and but I feel like there's a lesson to be learned for me at this point. Well, it's very interesting because when uh, when I got my first dog, um, I was she was very unruly. She had been abused, and she looked really cute uh, when I first met her and was kind of on good behavior. And then she was sort of a wild child, <laughs> had a definite mind of her own, and was very much afraid of a lot of things. So my very good friend in England, Lisa Tenzendolma, runs a school called the International Canine School of Psychology and Behavior, and so she was able to talk me through a lot of the things. And one of the first things she says is, get down on the floor with your dog and see the world from your dog's point of view. And I thought, oh, man, that is so boring. (laughs) But I did that, Um, and I, I got on the ground, and I... It it changes your whole perspective, and then you can see what dogs see. You can see what they're afraid of. You can see what they are intimidated by. You can see what they're challenged by and and respond accordingly. So once you kind of get into the head of a dog, you're a much better dog mommy or daddy. I agree. I agree. So let's talk about your latest book. How did that come about? Um, the Art of Healing with Crystals uh, came about because I was very privileged. Um, you know how you just kind of stumble into a course sometime in your life, and then you find out that you've studied with one of the world's great master teachers. <laughs> you think, oh, oh boy. Yeah. Um, his name was Frank Alper, and I uh, studied a, a few weekend intensives with him in Orange County. And he taught me about crystals. He taught me about the science of them. He taught me uh, the possibilities of them, the the sacredness of them. And I was very, very privileged to work with him and learn crystals from that point of view. He was an IBM scientist, and he worked with crystals and computers and designing, uh, working towards the design of what we have today in terms of our own laser surgery in most of the hospitals. Without the development of Bell Labs and IBM, this would never have happened. Mm-hmm. So he was on the ground floor of that, and... In teaching me about crystals, he taught me uh, three things. He said, first of all, that they are alive. They have a consciousness. Second of all, they breathe because they are alive. Therefore, everything alive breathes. And third thing, they vibrate. And so it's the vibration that heals the human being because we also vibrate. And when you take the vibration, the natural vibration of the crystal or gemstone, and you put it together with your natural vibration, you form a third vibration. And that's the vibration that the brain cells pick up. The silica in the brain is like the silica of the uh, composition, the atomic composition of the crystal itself. So they're talking atom to atom 
rhythm and vibration to vibration. So your brain picks up the signals from the silica in the crystals, and it becomes a pure channel of new energy. And what's beautiful about crystals is that they are the perfect atomic structure on the planet. They're called, they have a lattice structure, which is, means that everything is even and lined up, and therefore, they are conductors of light, energy, and heat in a perfect way, that they do not distort this energy source. Once it's put in, they take it direct. Now, they can amplify it. They can do lots of different things with it, but they cannot distort it, which makes them a trustworthy, safe, and secure, and stable instrument for conducting uh, invisible things. This is so interesting. I mean, I've seen people wear crystals around their necks, and I just thought it was pretty. You know, I didn't know they actually vibrate. Um, Do you have a website with more information about you and all that you're doing? Oh, yes, Janine. It's it's, uh, CAC Young, K-A-C, think Kitchen Apple Charlie, Mm -hmm. com, And on that, I have a link to all of my different books with more information um, about the books and, and, of course, the opportunity to purchase it if they want to. Uh, We have to wrap up, but the name of my show is Get the Funk Out. So any advice for people that are kind of going through a tough personal or professional funk right now? Yes. Uh, Look to the good. The spiral always goes upward of any kind of energy. So look to the end of that good and see how the possibilities can function. If we allow ourselves to get into the spiral that goes downward, we end up in the ground. So lift your spirits. Look to the upward spiral and know that there is good at the end of that outcome. There always is. Perfect. Thank you so much, Cac. This has been great. Pleasure. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Cac Young calling in to talk about uh, her latest book and a whole lot more. If you missed any part of it, I have uh, her bio and also the list of all her books she's written up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.com. Dot org. I want to say that KUCI is on Twitter at KUCI-FM. We're on Instagram at KUCI-FM. We're on Tumblr, blog.kuci.org. We're on Facebook at KUCI-889. And I'm on Twitter at moms, M-O-M-Z underscore rock. We'll take a little break, and then we'll be back in just a bit. If you missed any part of this, everything is up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at moms, M-O-M-Z underscore rock. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.